fascinating thing about the Bible is the consistency of its messages. Uh, you've probably heard I've said it before that it just seems like book after book, writer after writer, century after century, place after place, they're all thinking the same things. And the reason why is because the same Spirit is inspiring them. Well, God has a plan for humanity, and it's repeated over and over in the Bible. It's there, but it seems like not everybody has the eyes to see and ears to hear it. It's, sometimes it's explicit. Sometimes he says it, it goes right out. Other times it's um, in spiritual things are put in physical forms there for to illustrate them for us. Sometimes it's almost hidden. But God reveals his mysteries in his word. The Bible interprets the Bible. Turn, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And just some background here. The, uh, John, uh, John the Baptist has been put into prison um, because of his criticism of Herod's uh, marriage to um, Herodotus um, and uh, his brother's wife, so she's plotting a way to kill him and ultimately succeeds because John is in prison now and would soon be killed in what we are reading. Verse 11, now it comes to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, this is a scripture that sometimes people scratch their heads about a little bit. They're a little bit confused about what's going on here. Let's go a little bit further into it. Jesus then gives seven signs. I want to point out, if you go to Luke chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus performs miracles first and then speaks this next verse. Verse 4, Jesus answered and said to him, Go and tell John the things which you hear and the things which you see. And then there's seven of them. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, Dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. Hold your place there because we're coming back to it. Why are these seven signs so special? Why are these things that John the Baptist could recognize? Well, they have to do with Christ's purpose in his coming. They have to do with our personal conversion and the hope of all of humanity as well as the church. So today, let's look at, first, the meaning of these miracles, because they have great meaning and very important. He said these things just for a specific reason. We'll also look at what Christ does for each person that he calls, and also the importance of our role in feeding the flock. All of these things are included in this lesson of the seven miracles. So point number one. Matthew 11, let's go back and look at 1 through 6, because it has a lot going on there. Let's have to unpack it a little bit. Read it again. 
And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he said, two of his disciples, by the way, um, the word two isn't there, it meant of his disciples. He sent several disciples, multiple disciples there, who would be um, multiple witnesses. Other translations just say, by his disciples. And he said to them, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Here's the question some people get into. The commentaries kind of differ on why John said that, because he already knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Let me just look briefly in John chapter 1 and verse 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29. I'll just read here. And the next day John, seeing Jesus coming unto him, and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Now that was John's introduction of the Messiah to the people. He was affirming that Jesus was the Messiah. But here we see him saying, um, he asked this question, are you the coming one, or maybe we should look for another? Well, the commentaries kind of... differ on this. It doesn't say exactly why he put it that way. Maybe he was encouraging his disciples in anticipation of his death, of John's death, that is. Well, he was in prison, was another thing. Maybe he um, uh, didn't know everything that was going on, everything that was being done by Jesus. Maybe he had put away there in some dungeon. Maybe he had become discouraged. Uh, we We don't really know why he chose to do this a second time. Or to, or to ask Jesus that question. Matthew 12, verses 38 through 40. Matthew chapter 12 and verses 38 through 40. Now, there's another question that people come up with about this. What about Jesus saying that he would only give the sign of Jonah? And here he gave seven. He gave seven. Okay. People wonder about that. Let's look at verse 38. And then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he would only give the sign of Jonah, that specific sign, to the evil and adulterous generation who were the religious leaders of his day. But the evidence that Christ gave John, John the Baptist, through John's own disciples, multiple witnesses, was the fulfillment of prophecies about the Messiah. That's the sign that he gave John the Baptist. There were things that the Messiah would be doing. Okay, now what are some of them? Well, let's look at them. These are prophesied in the Bible. All of these things we're reading in the New Testament were prophesied long ago. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1. Remember that Jesus said, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Well, it should be remembered that these prophecies are dual and apply to both times the Messiah would come. Christ doesn't change. Uh, The eternal was the same 
Uh, he says, I change not. He never changes. And Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They're the same individual. Verse 61. Now the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. That is the gospel preached. There it is. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Healing. To proclaim liberty to the captives. That is to free a captive people from Satan's kingdom, a world held captive, a profane mountain that fills the earth that he's going to come back and destroy and replace. Continuing and opening the prison to those who are bound, bound in deception and sin. They are deceived. They can't see and hear. They don't know what else there is. Isaiah 35, verses 3. And five and six. Isaiah 35, verses three and five and six. This describes a millennial setting, but the king was among them then. The king was there then, and he was doing the same things then that he will do in the kingdom of God later. Remember, he doesn't change. Verse three, strengthening, strengthening the weak hands. Well, Jesus healed a man with a withered hand. And make the feeble knee, uh, uh, make firm the feeble knees. Jesus, uh, to John, he said, the lame walk. He had healed the lame. And, of course, the matter of seeing and hearing was of special importance. We read about that. I've lost count of the times that that is mentioned in the Bible, both Old and New Testament. Verse 5, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Jesus healed the blind. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. He healed the deaf. And then the lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the dumb or the mute, when you see dumb in the King James Version, it means mute. That's the, an old expression for being mute. The tongue of the mute sing. The waters uh, shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This describes in, in its way, the whole world singing with blossoming and blooming and waters and springing coming up. What a wonderful picture that it has. Isaiah 29, verses 18 and 19. Isaiah 29, 18 and 19. We're just going through a few of the scriptures that prophesy these things in a physical way that will be repeated spiritually in the kingdom. In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. They will be able to see the spiritual things and hear it for the first time. The adversary is going to be locked up, and the darkness that the world is in will be dispelled in the wonderful light of the kingdom of God. Verse 19, and the humble shall also increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice. The God spelled, the good news preached. They shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Mark chapter 9, verses 25 and 26. Mark chapter 9, 25 and 26. This is relates to something that we will be thinking about in the 
um, in the Day of Atonement, six or seven weeks from now. But here, this is a reference to it in Mark chapter 9. Christ has power over Satan, and he will bind him in the millennium. Verse 25, when Christ saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. That's the NIV translation. Verse 27, when Christ, or when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in that country. Isaiah 26, 19. Isaiah 26, 19. Jesus raised Lazarus and others from the dead, as he will do for many more in the resurrections after he returned. And there were others that he raised as well. We have times when Jesus went and raised a man's daughter or raised a, or saved a man's servant. Verse 19. Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out her dead. So to just summarize point number one, the things that Jesus was doing were prophesied activities of the Messiah. John the Baptist would have recognized them even though the world didn't. Christ was doing these things right in front of them, miraculous things, things that pictured what will happen in the kingdom of God. But people loved the miracles, but they couldn't really see, but John could. Point number two, the king had come, but Israel didn't recognize him. He was doing the very same things on a small scale locally in Judea that he will do for the whole world in the kingdom of God. In the millennial Sabbath, his physical miracles were a picture of the spiritual miracles and worldwide healing that he will perform when he binds Satan and implements his Christ's divine government on earth. The chief cornerstone was there. The chief cornerstone of the temple was there. The temple being made of the living stones that he is working on with us right now. You know, we're living stones. I'm, you know, a block here and a block there, and he's chiseling off pieces here and chiseling off and polishing something and getting all of these pieces ready. You know, the original temple was not built. Um, the, the stones were not cut on the site. They were cut away so that there was no sound of implements when the temple was being built in Solomon's day. All of the stones were brought and put in place quietly. It was kind of the way it's going to happen in the millennium, that all of these living stones that Christ is working with now and chipping away and polishing and changing and cutting and making ready the temple of God 
Those are being worked on now. But the chief cornerstone was there at that time. The kingdom was among them. Isaiah 6, 9 through 11. Isaiah 6, 9 through 11. Spiritual blindness and deafness is the current state of Satan's world. Then and now is a world in darkness, and he keeps it that way to keep the world in bondage, to keep it in captivity. Verse 9, and he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of the people, this people dull and their eyes heavy. Shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and be healed. This describes the spiritual state of this world. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste without inhabitant and the houses are without a man and the land is utterly desolate. You know, in the last times of the tribulation, God is going to make the world a physical picture of its spiritual state. You know, we have things like in Revelation. We won't turn to all of these things, but you've heard of them. You know of them, that it's going. this darkness is going to come over earth. It's going to be so dark that people will gnaw on their tongues for pain. How that can be, I don't know. But there's going to be great darkness over the earth, picturing the darkness of the state of the earth. There's going to be warfare. He said, you like warfare? You're going to see war like you've never seen it before. It says it's going to be, uh, you like blood? <laughs> I'm going to turn the oceans. You're going to have oceans full of it. Oceans are going to be filled with it. Other things like that. He's going to give them pictures um, that they, uh, physical things, because they are blind to spiritual things. Just might mention the January-February 2011 Living Church News article, Miracle of Seeing and Hearing, and that sermon, um, 8.19, on the same subject. Matthew 13, 10 through 15. Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 15. It just wasn't yet time for the people to see and hear. And that was a reason for that. And we remember that every year at, um, on the last great day. It simply wasn't the time for them, but the time will come. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. We just read it. Here it is again. Hearing you will hear and not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. They were hearing the parables. They were hearing the word preached to them. They were seeing the miracles. But they were blind to it. For the heart of this people has grown dull 
and their ears which hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, and I should heal them. The reason why, of course, and we won't go into this in great detail now, we'll hear that later in the Feast of Tabernacles or in the last great day, we are responsible for what we see and hear. If your eyes have been opened to see these things and to understand them, and your ears are open so that you can hear, you've been given the spiritual ability to do that. It is important that you use it. But so many people, uh, well, they see and hear, and then what is it like? They're like the parable of the sower. Some of uh, the, the, the thorns grow up and choke it out, or they don't have enough root. The sun comes up, and um, there's a, a persecution and they, are, they fall away. We are responsible for what we see and hear, so God is very careful about who he gives the ability to see and hear, uh, to who he gives it. Verse 16, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your hear, ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Brethren, do we value what we see and hear? Do we value it? You know, sometimes I think when I see people going off and they going off on the internet and they're always looking around with itching ears or itching eyes, looking for something new and something different, something to contradict what they've learned. You know, they can do that these days and a lot of times people just get in trouble doing that. I think the reason why they do it is they don't value the truth that they have. They don't value what they see. They don't value what they hear. Because when you do, you want to hold on to it. You want to keep it. You want to affirm it and prove it. You want to study the Bible and build on it and have these things grow in our hearts. So we must value what we see and hear. It is precious truth to us. Precious truth. Matthew 12 22 and 23. Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 and 23. <clears throat> the king was with them. The king was with them. And as such, they were witnessing the chief cornerstone of the kingdom in their midst. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it could be. It was. It was a chief cornerstone. It was the kingdom was there, and the king was among them. But they would not, could not see and hear it. Luke 11, 18 through 21. Luke 11, verses 18 through 21. Christ's demonstrations of power over Satan and his demons were evidence of what Christ will do when he binds Satan in the future. He was, all of these people, apparently there was a lot of demonic activity in those days, and he was casting them out. Sometimes the spirits cried out to him, uh, shouted when they left. Sometimes it was very dramatic, I imagine. Other times it was quieter. But there was a lot of that activity in those days. 
But he cast them out. He had the power to do it. He was demonstrating what he will do. He is going to cast out Satan and his demons from his kingdom. They're going to be bound for a thousand years. Verse 18. If Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because if you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. He was witnessing to him about himself. The kingdom of God is here, casting out demons, as he will do in the kingdom, cast them out of the holy mountain of God and into a place of Tartarul, a place of restraint, but they couldn't see it. What Christ would not tell them, he showed them by his miracles. They had a witness. They had the witness. It was all there. John the Baptist could understand what was happening. Christ's healing demonstrated important things. There were things that are part of reality that God sees all the time, but Satan keeps the world blind to those things and keeps them in spiritual darkness in order to keep them in his captivity. But do we see them? Do we see them? The world is spiritually blind now, but in the kingdom they will see. The world is deaf now, but in the kingdom of God they will hear the the word. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He blocks it, blocks it. The world is lame now, but in the kingdom of God they will be able to walk in the light of his word. In John 8.12, I'll just read that. Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. God's word illuminates the narrow path and the gate. You know, I like to do this. This illuminates it. You know, it illuminates your path up there, down there. It shows the difficult and narrow way and shows us how to do it. That's why we need to study it and read it and see the light of his word. That's why we hear the things that are taught in our um, sermons and in our uh, Bible studies. And they are beneficial to us, very much so. Lepers, they were regarded as unclean, but he cleansed them. In the kingdom of God, the whole world will have the opportunity to be cleansed by the Lamb of God. Jesus raised people from the dead, and that prefigures what he will do when he appears in power and glory. The resurrection of the dead, people that have been long dead, some of us perhaps still standing around at that day when it comes. But in sort of in microcosm, in a small way, he did it to demonstrate it when he was there, when the king was there. Summarize point number two. We have been made to see and hear, to be cleansed, and to walk. And all of these things picture what Christ does for us individually. He he does these things for us now and what he will do for the world and the kingdom. The king was among them, but they couldn't see what he was doing. But as a prophet, John the Baptist had the Holy Spirit, and of course he could see. So Jesus reassured John and his disciples by pointing these things out to him. 
Third point, Matthew 15, 29 through 39. Matthew chapter 15, 29 through 39. The account of John the Baptist's question is in uh, Matthew 11, but just a little farther on, a little farther later in Matthew's account, Christ adds something to the list of seven things that he gave earlier, things that he now does for us and things that he will do in the kingdom. Verse 29. Let's read this. Once again, we'll see sort of a a repetition. He's doing these things over and over for multitude after multitude, but then here he adds something. Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went on uh, up the mountain and sat down there. Then the great multitudes came to him, having with them, and they are again, the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitudes marveled when they saw the mute speaking, and the maimed made whole, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Well, that's good. Now, verse 32. Now Jesus calls his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me these three days and have nothing to eat. So they were fasting. They, in this great enthusiasm to bring out their friends and neighbors or their family members that were, had all of these illnesses that were uh, lame and blind and mute and so forth. They had the opportunity for this extraordinary healing. All of this was going on. So they went out and they were following him while all of this was going on for a matter of days. They have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. So Christ had healed them, but without food, they wouldn't have enough strength for their journey ahead of them. They needed another miracle, but this one was for the entire assembly, thousands of people because they were all in the same situation. Verse 33. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill up this great, such a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven, and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks and broke them and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the multitude. Christ took the food, prepared it, broke it, gave it to his ministry, his disciples, and then they gave it to the multitudes of the people. Verse 37, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. Six, eight. How many thousands, 10,000 people, all fed by this? A few things given by Christ through the disciples to the multitude. So not only do we need to see, to hear, to be healed and cleansed in order to walk in God's light, we need spiritual food to provide the strength for the journey that lies ahead. Christ provides that bread and reminds us every spring, the days of unleavened bread, that we eat it year-round. We have to remember to do that. 
So we study God's words daily. We read the literature the church puts out. We attend church. We listen to sermons. We meditate and learn and apply these things in our lives. Christ's ministry feeds the flock, and it's important that we take all the food and make the most of it and then support the ministry that uh, that is doing all of this. And you are doing just that with your tithes and offerings, your support, everything that you do is supporting that ministry. You are part of that work. John chapter 6, verse 32 through 34. John 6, 32 through 34. Our Father provides the food we need for our life's journey, our journey home, so to speak, our journey to the kingdom. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. John 21, 15 through 17. John 21, 15 through 17. We'll come back to, Lord, give us this bread always in a moment. Jesus gave Peter an instruction which he Relayed to the ministry of the church. This is an instruction to Peter, then this has been relayed to all the ministry. 15, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Jesus and Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Well, Peter took that to heart. He went out and he continued his ministry all of the days that he lived. First Peter 5 and verse 2. First Peter 5 and verse 2, we have Peter instructing the ministry in these matters. Verse 2, feed the flock which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind. Feed the flock of God. You know, most holy days we read uh, uh, Deuteronomy uh, 16. You remember it goes three times a year, three times a year. Well, these are the three times. They're the spring holy days, and then there's Pentecost, and then there's the fall holy days. The spring holy days, or sometimes we say times three steps in a year. That's the sense of it, steps in a progression. That's the sense of the words in the Hebrew. Spring Holy Days pictures what Christ did. What he did was very, very important. He cleansed us of our sins, and then he's teaching us to keep sin out of our lives. Then on Pentecost, pictures what Christ is doing, founding his church and living in us. And we feed on Christ, our bread of life. 
The job of the church is to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and to feed the flock. That's what we do here. We're doing these things, and you're all part of that work. Christ fed those who he had healed to give them the strength to make it home, and that's one thing that we do, we all do, as part of this work. And then the fall holy days, what Christ will do, and we're coming up on that now. These are things that we can remember because it's just a few weeks away that we enter this great season of the year. What Christ will do, he will come in power and glory, and he will establish his kingdom and all that goes with it. This time of the year, we're preparing for the fall holy days. We're getting uh, ready for our trips, and you're getting ready for yours. This sort of the time of the season of the year is the same time of the season we're in in the 6,000-year period. We're all sort of preparing and getting ready, and Christ is making things ready for his kingdom. He's making each of us ready as well. We're preparing for the fall holy days what Christ did, what he is doing, and what he will do. Summarized point number three, Christ showed us that after we are given spiritual vision and hearing and healed and cleansed, that we need to be fed for the rest of our journey in this life. And the food we eat is the bread of life, which is Christ, and we feed on Christ and live by every word of God. It is the role of God's ministry in his church to preach the gospel and feed the flock and a great privilege to participate in it and serve in any way that Christ has for us. And all of you serve in one way or another at one time or another. Perhaps it's just with your prayers or perhaps it's just with a word of encouragement. Well, you certainly do with your, your tithes and offerings. I don't know about you, but I work every day with my body. And older than I used to be and don't uh, work exactly the same way I did. But, you know, my fingers do the typing and my ears do the hearing and I can dial on the telephone and my eyes see the screen and my feet walk up and down the halls and I talk with my mouth. Yeah, I do my work with my body. Well, Christ works through his body. He works through his body as well. And you are the body of Christ. He is working through you to accomplish those things, and we are continuing with it. Christ gave us an example when he fed the multitude so that they wouldn't faint along the way. That's what you're doing, right? You are doing that example, that last thing he gave, that important thing, as we run the final mile to the kingdom of God. John 6, 67 and 68. John 6, 67 and 68. So, brother in Christ asks us today the same question he asked Peter at one time. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Then further... We'll be um, further back up the page in verse 34. Christ, the word of God, is the bread of life. Let us always say, Lord, give us this bread always, and then we will share it 
and feed all that he calls.